Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Seekers Quest. Uh, how's my audio, um, Veda, CC? Is it okay? Sometimes there's a little reverb. Really? Okay, is there now? It's better. Still? Okay. So I just got this new mic, so I'm testing it out. Maybe it's the reason I had all these issues. But anyway, I'm happy to be here with you. Happy to be here with both of you. I've been looking forward to this. How are you guys doing? You were just chit-chatting a little bit, and I joined about detachment. <laughs> yeah. Chitania, I mean, Tanya is always coming up with some very uh, introspective uh, realizations. Actually, I just like to play with words. Sometimes the wordplay leads to some wisdom. <laughs> Sometimes it just leads to fun. Sometimes it leads to nothing. <laughs> but I like to play with words. Mm. So, yeah. So, should we take this topic or you want to move what forward? Do do? What do you guys want to do? Do you want to go forward with this, with the topic of detachment? Or do we want to do what we talked about doing? I think expectation is a big topic. I think I have, it's one of my favorite topics, actually. Yeah. All right, let's do that then. We just like throw our plan out the window. That's not something <laughs> I'm used to, but I'll try it on. <laughs> my whole life I had expectations, you know, and then and then <laughs> complete disappointment my whole life. And then I'm like, you know what? Something is wrong with me. Everything is fine with the world. And I said, you know, just whatever, man. I'll just go with it. And then someone told me about a book uh, written by Ramdas. It says, be here now. I didn't read the book, but I just liked that slogan. Be here now. And I was like, okay, here I am, you know. So whatever happens, happens. And then I realized how, you know, people practice bhakti. They're always just... Whatever happens is, is divine arrangement. So something, that concept is so appealing because it just takes so much weight off of you. So CC, please tell us your, uh, your introspective research on this, this deep emotion of expectation that we all have. Yeah, I loved what CC said when I was just joining about about having expectations of people, and then when they don't live up to that expectation, then you're suddenly very adverse to them. That was just like pure nectar. <laughs> yeah, I could say that that is just mm, tip of the, the voice. The voice, the voice of experience speaking. You could just go through. See, the one of the one of the problems with detachment is that. We all have our own conceptions of detachment. Hmm? And those conceptions can sometimes be, while the idea of detachment can be healthy, the concept of, uh, our concept of detachment may not be healthy. So, so in the Bhagavad Gita, for example, when we talk about attachment, see the opposite of attachment is not detachment, it is aversion. Mm -hmm. So I'll talk about this at three levels. You consider attachment. The opposite can be seen at three levels. It is one is aversion. 
the other is actually non attachment now i nowadays i prefer this word to detachment the non attachment and then above that is spiritual or divine attachment so all these three are three levels of opposites so now when we talk about attachment and aversion basically in both of these we are still emotionally entangled mm -hmm. when when i'm attached to someone i'm always thinking about that person if i go to a party if i go to an event my eyes are constantly looking when is this person going to come mm -hmm. has that person come or not but if i'm averse to that person then also i am almost equally conscious of that person you know, when is this person coming if that person is going to come i will not come there like that person in this corner of the room i'll go to the other corner of the room so the the point is as long as we are emotionally entangled then it is it is a problem so we would like to rise above that emotional entanglement that's why what i said is when you talk about detachment it is letting go i'll use the word things generically things can be objects it can be ideas it can be plans it can be people but it's more of letting go of our expectation of things so when we are attached at that time it is less of this and more of this so when we are attached we don't just let go of things we actually almost try to throw those things far away from us because the emotion is still involved in it and now does it mean that uh, okay i this is i could go on speaking but maybe i'll stop here and you can share some of your reflections on this yeah i i have a, i have uh, i would like to take you on this journey a little bit more by asking you some more questions see when we talk about attachment cc and chitanya prabhu is that even though that attachment is to something and that something or that someone causes you pain that attachment doesn't go away even though it's away from you even though you're no longer with that person that attachment is deep, is deeply embedded but is that attachment is 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 caused by pain although there is a superficial attachment but the attachment does not go away so you're saying attachment and aversion but i think there's something more deeper in this whole attachment uh concept because it doesn't go away and we just try to push it and shove it in different corners because it's too painful to not be satisfied with the object or the relationship that we are attached to and it is not accessible to us the way we want it and so we want to get rid of it but we just can't get rid of it because that that attachment was deeply emotional so i was wondering if there is more layers to this because there has to be uh it's it's not just attachment or aversion yeah. or layers somewhere in there you know i read one thing about addiction you treat me madly, badly i trust you madly so that is some 
You treat me badly, I trust you madly. So, this can describe an addiction, it can describe an abusive relationship, it can describe any pattern of behavior in which somehow, it's more of, uh, we know this is causing me pain, I think that's what you were trying to describe it, that I know this is causing me pain, but still, although it's causing me pain, I'm unable to let go of it. Yes, that's deep attachment, yes. So yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's a difficult situation because in if you consider in every relationship, there is always this tension between, you know, hope and fear. You want to take a stronger hope and horror. The <laughs> hope is, hope is that the person will change for the better. And the fear is the person will change for the worse. And now sometimes the fear or the horror might be manifesting. But even at that time, we don't want to let go of the hope. And because of that, yeah, this, this pain is coming. But maybe after this pain, pleasure will come. Mm -hmm. So, but then there is a time when you recognize that now, some people, you just, uh, love is, I think we've discussed this briefly in our earlier session. Sometimes, you know, love means we protect our loved ones from the consequences of their actions. Like say, you know, if our, if our kid is involved, crashes his car into somebody's house or something like ruin somebody's garden or something like that and maybe that kid will be will be get some police action against them get a mark against their record and say okay okay you know i'll compensate for this i'll apologize for that i'll make up for this let his record stay clean so at one level love means we protect our loved ones from the consequences of our actions and this is the natural instinct of love hmm? And it is required because we all can sometimes be hurt or are hurt, hurt ourselves and we need someone to protect us. But another aspect of it is saying to stop protecting our loved ones from the consequences of their actions. The exact opposite of that. Because sometimes the only way somebody will learn is when the consequence, uh, when the consequence hits them. So if somebody is a, uh, Sorry, if somebody is an alcoholic, then at that time, exactly how are they going to give up their alcohol? So, unless some of their consequences really hit them severely, and they realize that there's nobody who's going to pick up the pieces if I make a mess of things, that's only they're going to help us. So that that is a tension between the hope and the horror. So when do we? In one sense, we have to give up that hope that this person will change. Or at least, I am not helping this person change. I am only ending up making things worse. So maybe I have to stop that right now. So you know, it's interesting you say this, but I've seen a scenario. Say, you know, because I deal with this uh, interesting groups of people sometimes, I get a case of where someone's partner is alcoholic and they truly love them. And they're trying to protect them. 
and they can no longer protect them. So they stop protecting them and they let them go. And when they let them go, then they go and hurt themselves and they, you know, destroy themselves and take their lives. And they continue to blame themselves from this whole, from the beginning to the very end of the whole journey. Because they feel that they did not, they were not able to love them enough and to protect them enough to change them. So there is a spiral effect that happens from this deep attachment. And I don't, I won't say it's just aversion because even though they may not be together, attachment remains. And even when they go and do something so crazy and they hurt themselves, they still blame themselves for someone else's departure from this world. So this attachment is something quite, uh, quite deep in my understanding that you're still attached to that person when that person is gone because you're holding yourself responsible. Radha, I don't know, have you ever had such a... It's like almost a little bit eerie right now, the way this whole class is going, because I feel like you guys are talking about my entire life. And not even just my entire life, but things... I've are you realizing that just now? <laughs> are you realizing? seriously it's crazy because we didn't talk before this but this week especially yesterday i've been dealing with this very topic inside of me like i have a tendency to take responsibility for things i shouldn't take responsibility for um i'm i'm a adult child of an alcoholic and that's i think a thing that tends to happen from what i've learned is that i feel responsible for all of my parents bad behavior um it was just a belief that I grew up. So then when I have relationships after that, I propagate that belief into those relationships and I take more responsibility than I should. And then when I see people not really behaving the way that they should, then I think, oh, okay, I can change it. I can fix them. I can, I can help them. And then when they don't behave the way that I think they should, then I'm resentful. And then it's like just... And then I have to let go of all of this, but it's so enmeshed with all this like love and appreciation and respect. And, but then there's just this really icky part. And then it's like pulling it all apart. And yesterday, uh, yesterday, I'm starting to just like kind of detox a, a particular relationship. And it's all coming up for me, all of these feelings all at the same time. And I'm trying to process them and pull them apart because in my heart, I know that I really just want to feel love. And I know that I really just feel love for this person. But at the same time, I'm so disappointed. And I also take my know my own role in it. I know my own role in why I'm disappointed. You know, it's like, because exactly what you said, I have expectations that, who am I to have expectations? If, you know, it's like, stay on my side of the fence, stay in my lane. But I can't do that. <laughs> it's just, uh it's a mess. So anyway, you said you guys started talking about this this morning and I'm like, is God talking to me right now? <laughs> okay, so I'm ready to listen. How do I do that? Please enlighten me. Thank you. I mean, I've seen you animated but in the past, <laughs> but I would say right now you are emotionally, there's an emotional outpouring coming out. Thank you for so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. To give you, we need to give you a special remote where you can erase some of those memories. I know, I, I, and rewire my, forward, myself. Fast forward, go backwards. 
There was there was once a movie that I was uh, so bored on a plane and I watched. I think it's called Click. It's by Adam Sandler, and he was whatever parts of his life he's frustrated, he can fast forward them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was like the most funny movie, and it was really deeply uh, educational because you know there's parts of his kid's life that he just. You know, he just, it was just too painful. So he just erased it. And the kid is all grown up now. And he just felt like, oh my God, what happened? I didn't get to, you know, enjoy part of your life as a kid, you know? And then he realized that the movie ends like him laying in bed. It was all a dream, but it was just how his mind was thinking, how about if I could just erase this part of my life and just fast forward and reverse and, and go back to things that he had experienced? It was just very interesting. How we, 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 we wish we could do that. And how every aspect of our life is just so uniquely made for us to have a complete comprehensive experience and, and thereby having some stepping stones for, you know, self-discovery. And how if we try to erase any part of it, we kind of lose the, the lessons that we needed to learn and the opportunities that we are given for this uh, path of self-realization. You're just dropping bombs of wisdom. Every life experience is like a stepping stone to self-discovery. You thought of that just now? I don't know. It's just, I'm, just, I'm just, uh, just going with the flow. Well, the flow is nectar. Mm. You know, I'm thinking of two things. In the Bhagavad Gita in 1835, there is this concept of determination which is misdirected. Hmm? It is called as determination in the mode of ignorance. So normally we consider determination to be a very good thing, and it is. But this is misdirected determination, or we could call it obstinacy. And it says that this can manifest itself manifest in multiple ways. So one of the ways it is in chronic daydreaming. Hmm? In fantasizing without any connection with reality. So even if like, I will, I'll become a millionaire. I'll start a business and I'll become a millionaire. No, I can't run even a simple business, but I keep fantasizing. So you could go to the opposite of it and I'll create a word here You can call it nightmaring if there is a word like that. So this is, you could say positive, positive imagination gone wild and the other extreme is negative imagination gone wild. So yaya sopnam bhayam. So this is just all kinds of negative scenarios one keeps imagining. And now, now this, why is this called determination? Even when this is detrimental, still the person doesn't stop doing that. This will go wrong, this will go wrong, this will go wrong, this will go wrong. Normally we think optimism is good, pessimism is bad. But there are some people who are, who are chronically, or you could say, you know, almost toxically optimistic. I mean, they, they, their optimism makes them deny reality and they live in a fantasy world that's unhealthy. So uh, in between these, there's something interesting. Yeah, Sopnam Bhayam Shokam. 
so this is for okay we will put here lamenting constantly it's like one thing has gone wrong in their life and they just keep going on and on and on about it why did this happen why did this happen so both of these are more about the future about the past negative and positive about the future this is more about the past what has happened ya swapnam bhayam shokam vishadam moroseness so this is almost habitual it is not about the past it is always that person is down and now when they are down they they are always the long face with a frown with a sullen demeanor and now they are unhappy they they basically radiate unhappiness toward others and the last is madam no madam literally means intoxication but broadly you can say escapism intoxication is one way of escapism you know playing just playing video games just trying to trying to forget one's life by going into some compulsive social media usage by just watching movies binging on netflix these are all now when a person is doing it sometimes they understand that this is harmful but still they hold on to it and that's why it's the word determination is used over here but determination is not used in a positive sense so i was talking about so these are uh, self defeating thought patterns or mental patterns and i would say that what we were talking about it ranges in these three things you know daydreaming nightmaring lamenting so where we are dreaming that oh this person will become like this and this person will improve and when that doesn't happen why is this person not changing so one uh, so this is just one reflection from the bhagavad gita which talks about this and i can go ahead but if you want to speak something about it please let me know some reflection Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of related to I I was thinking of a couple things. One is all these things you wrote, all these moroseness, lamenting, nightmaring, daydreaming, uh, escapism, intoxication. It's all it's all just like experiencing some kind of emotion or thought that exists in this material world and then like chasing it down a rabbit hole. It's it's like and i feel like we've all done this on so many levels we're daydreaming about the future we're lamenting about the past and then we almost get stuck in one or the other it's like why it's so important to have a north star like something to pull you out of all of it because all of this is just going to constantly change and move and you only have so much control over it and and it's just so important to have a steady spiritual practice is what i think when i see this or you'll just get stuck in one of these rabbit holes hopefully a good one if you're lucky but maybe not <laughs> that's a good way of looking at it in one sense life gives challenging experiences to everyone and unless we process them if we don't process them then they they remake us in that particular image so something bad happens in my life and then unless i process it it makes me bitter and that bitterness it can make me resentful it can make me going to self pity so like what you talked about 
one that second. North Star. Yeah. On yeah, this beautiful ahead. diagram you drew, I find it quite fascinating in this 1835, daydreaming, intoxication, moroseness, lamenting nightmare. It is, it is, this, all these emotions are, it seems like it can come in sequentially or randomly or all at once. And this all happens when we don't have a purpose. And, and purpose is having a clarity with uh, having extracted all the experiences in life. If we have not found the virtue of all the, uh, what we call obstacles and, and, and experiences in life, then if the virtue is missing, there is no, uh, there is no, there is no uh, uh, purpose in life because those experiences guide us to finding a purpose in our lives. So therefore, I feel like all these emotions that people suffer is it's primarily due to the fact that there is missing a purpose in life because they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I feel that this tunnel is so deep that it goes through 8,400,000 species of life. In our, in, I mean, it's, that's how deep the tunnel is. It's not just a little rabbit hole that you go under. And another thing I thought when you were sharing this is, in our uh, Chitta Cleanse uh, course, we do something, uh, you know, we try to understand the behavioral patterns that each and every one of us have. And when we journal about the behavioral patterns and the choices we make, it gives us a beautiful uh, view of where our life is heading. We will often, boys will often marry women uh, that are just like their mothers. And, you know, if they, and, and, and girls will marry people just like their fathers, if the father was abusive and the girls will end up marrying, generally tend to find people who are abusive, attractive, because that's what their uh, experiences were. And those experiences were not properly processed and thereby the virtue wasn't extracted they just keep drinking the poison. The nectar is still there because mode of goodness means you have to go through the experience of uh, uh, the bitterness to experience the sweetness. So these are just my two cents. I was thinking as you were sharing that beautiful 1835 diagram. Wow. Can I wrap what you both just set up together? In my experience yesterday, not kidding you, yesterday, this was my experience. This is what CC started off saying. If you go back up to the diagram you started with, with this routine experience, now the routine experience one, you say routine experience left unprocessed can leave us lost down a rabbit hole, which in my own makeup, I have a tendency to stuff down emotions and I don't deal with them because I've been conditioned to believe that they're bad, which unprocessed emotions can be bad and emotions that turn into action, unintelligent action can be bad. But I've actually learned that emotion can be really good for kind of identifying what's actually going on under the surface and kind of trying to start picking it apart and figuring it out, processing it. 
basically. So I've been trying to use my emotions more in that way to process it. And, and in this particular instance, not just processing what I felt had been done to me that was wrong, but processing my own responsibility in it all and what I could have done differently for a different um, outcome or just how I could have made the situation better. My, my responsibility, basically, I'm trying to pick all this apart and really identify so that going forward, I can make a change in my future relationships. I can make a real healthy, sustainable change so that I know I'm not put, I'm not in the same situation. But then, but then what you just said, Veda, what was, if you can go back up to this diagram to remind me, because it was the same, the purpose. Yeah. In my heart, I know that I want to feel love for all parties involved. I want to feel love for this other person. And I want to feel love for myself. I want to honor myself, my feelings, where I am. So I know that's like my North Star. And I know that because I had people in my life that exude that. And I know that's the North Star in my life. And so I'm like, okay, I want to get here. I'm obviously not there because I'm feeling things like resentment and anger and bitterness. And I'm feeling harsh. How do I get there? So it's like the in-between is like, recognizing these emotions, processing them, working through them, talking to people that you trust, that you can share with, that also have that same higher objective of love for for all. Like I was, I would talk to Kastuba for a couple hours this weekend. Kastuba's a friend and teacher of mine. And, and I can see that same North Star in his advice and his guidance. And so talking to someone like that, rather than a friend that's just going to like, oh yeah, this is complete crap. Like, that's just going to validate your bad feelings, basically. But that's really has the same objective and is trying to help you get there. And um, and so I'm working through there, working through getting there. And so the fact that both of you just said that, it's like, wow, that was my experience. Amazing. Okay, I'm ready yeah. for more. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, when I think about emotions, one of the things is that emotions are like signals. Now, the signals themselves are not bad. Signals can point to something bad. That means, say, if I'm on a road and it says construction work going ahead, go slow. It points to something that, okay, a sharp turn ahead. It points to something bad. That something is a problem ahead of me. Now, now of course, I'm talking here about negative emotions. Positive emotions are slightly different. But emotions are signals. But then when we, we don't process the signals, what happens is they impel us to do something bad. So... What this means is that if I see, if I'm going on the road and I see a bump ahead, I see a notice of that. And then, okay, that means I should slow down. But it's just slow. If I don't, if I neglect that emotion, I'll just go full speed and I'll be jolted by it. But I see that signal and then I, I press a hard brake. And then again, I'm jolted by it. So, if we see emotions more as informers, okay, this is giving me information. Now, do I need to pay attention to the information? Do I need to neglect the information? Okay, I'm already going at a slow speed. A bump is not a problem for me. I can tolerate it. 
but so either we neglect the emotion completely then what is something ahead coming that that hits us that's a problem or sometimes we let it take control of us and that's when also it becomes a problem so when we now care you know when we are talking about purpose purpose can we go back to this one a little bit more yeah sure i Emotions. think one part yeah yeah one thing one part that <laughs> i think you put it very lightly you know it says impulse us to do something bad but when the emotion signals are not taken into consideration seriously and we don't we deny our intelligence the opportunity to actually process these emotions we deny our heart and our conscience to sit with the emotions and really see what is it trying to teach us those emotions are so powerful it's not just impelling us to do something bad it could have such a big crash that you will never recover from it because most people because the emotion because when they don't sit with it what they do is it just spirals down so fast it's like going into a ditch never ending pit where you just keep going you know you just keep you know i give you a simple thing right i give you a simple story when i was growing up the reason i'm saying this when i was growing up there's a boy that i didn't speak to for about 6 years and it was simply because he was eating a sweet ball without sharing with me and we were supposed to be friends and we were little kids my mind translated that that observation that he's my friend and he did not share that sweet with me as rejection that he rejected me our friendship is over and in my mind i thought i have sacrificed whatever i had to be his friend and he just shared it and just threw it in the trash what kind of a person is he then in my mind i created this thing he's immoral unethical he doesn't deserve to be my friend and then i was thinking you know why this happened because he's hanging out with such and such person then i started isolating that person as well and then i realized you know i think this whole group that he's with they're just they're just bad people and i created this whole cloud then i thought you know then i thought maybe it's just the way he was born his family must be bad this is very bad culture no ethics you know he comes from a bad family do i want to be engaged in that person then i isolated his family you know and then i just went on and kept isolating 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 and i thought you know this is it i think in his previous life he must have really really been a bad person because in this life is impossible that humans can be like that so i took him back to his previous life and do i want to be connected to someone who was such a bad person in his previous life and i just went on and on and on and i did not speak to him for 6 years so wow yeah. such a small thing but the mind created this narrative that went on and on and every time i would see him yeah this is this is 
you know, this is him coming from his previous life. I don't want to be connected to it. So, no, I, so yeah. I think that the human mind has the ability to take the emotions and magnify it to such an extent. Mm-hmm. Chitani Charan didn't greet me. I know he just really hates me. And he hates me because I just, you know, I, I didn't acknowledge him when he was, you know, uh, you know, going through the airport and I saw him. You know, it's just like continuous concoction of, 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 of drama of a story that just never happened. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's where, when I talk about the emotions, we, we talking, I'm talking about a major crash. I'm not just talking about a small mistakes that we can make, our decisions, but our decisions can go really off the chains. So anyway. I it's just, almost uh, too like when you've decided that you're the ultimate authority. It's like, that's another thing. Like I like your point of, you know, you can take a small thing and then you can magnify it and your emotions can take over. The other thing with your story is that you had decided that you, you knew what was right and what was wrong. And it, God. yeah, you I were, you were God. playing God. Yes. And this is what happens. I think too, when you have an absence of, of God in your life is you decide that you're God or you make somebody else God. Yes. And it, undoubtedly it will end in disaster. I've done both. <laughs> multiple times and it's just the worst thing ever it's it leads to so much misery cc was gonna make a point so i I distracted him Mm. no i was thinking of something that rather they mentioned in the beginning about going down the rabbit hole so instead of the philosophy Helping you to counter the rabbit hole, the philosophy created a new pathway for the rabbit hole, you know. This whole point he was terrible in his past life. So the idea of reincarnation that only helped create a further rabbit hole. So it's amazing how the mind can co-opt even philosophy into its own narrative and its own story. Mm. Yeah, another so what can we do to avoid all of these pitfalls that that we all experience? All these rabbit holes, all these magnifying bad emotions and perpetuating um, negativity. How do? What are some things that we all can do today to 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 try to get our mind, train our mind to stop acting like that? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, you know, if there's the answer to that, you know, we could have almost blow, move a magic wand and free everyone from the mental health problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I think you pointed towards the answer that when the mind, when there's no no ultimate reality in one's life, then we make ourselves the ultimate reality. So if we just understand that, okay, through whatever someone is doing, it's like, say, I am here. I'm just making one point and Veda can make other points. I see the other person over here. And this person's behavior raises a question mark in me. I think they didn't greet me. They didn't share with me. 
but if i understand that there is a higher reality and that higher reality is guiding my life hmm is shaping my life now that may be through this person's actions that may be in spite of this person's actions but if we have that connection with the higher reality then that gives us some sense of security that we are not simply uh, simply like at the mercy of the people around us simply just like victims in a cruel world that there is there is a higher plan which works through our mistakes and through others mistakes which works through our misdeeds and through others misdeed or in spite of that also so misdeeds and mistakes ours or others they don't stop that higher plan from working and that is one of the advantages of uh, bhakti spirituality it gives us this this not just this conviction but um, also the experience that higher experience of an unchanging reality maybe this is something we can explore more in our next session but that's one th one thought that i have i found helpful and i look back at my life and i do see at times that there are people who treated me badly at times in my life and at that time it was terrible but now if i look back at it i see that uh, maybe you know in my childhood i i have a physical handicap i can't play and people would tease me you are a cripple and i started becoming more introvert because of that more reserved but while at one level i thought that those people made me a social or anti social and i resented them but over a period of time i found a love for reading a love for thinking love for analyzing and that helped me eventually become a better person so now that person who teased me or mocked me did have a plan that i become a better person and it's not that i consciously chose with great wisdom i was just a child at that time uh, but but it worked out so in that sense i would say that that in retrospect sometimes we can see the higher plan working in our life and that can give us conviction that even through these kind of uh, disappointing or even devastating actions by others there is some purpose being served So so in other words instead of seeing it like this happened to me and they did this to me and this was wrong and almost like zooming out layers from that and seeing no this was divine arrangement this is really just all part of all part of God's plan and moving these different variables in my life to give me what I really need to grow and to to grow closer to to him Yes, true. Yes, true. Very true. I agree with you. Whether you want to add something before we try to finish, then? Yeah, you know, I use a, I I have my own methodology that I use. Something that works for me may not work for any of you, but I use a, a an ascending process, and it's it's a process where I see the effect. 
you know, say someone said something horrible to me. In my mind, sure, you know, he has every right to say whatever he wants to say. But my first question that I ask is, why is he saying this? I go through like a whole process in my head. Why is he saying this? Who is making him to say it? And then I go up and I see what is what 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 is the outcome of this whole thing? So I keep going, asking questions through the process. Say someone is not kind to me and say something horrible. I'm like, okay. I wonder why he said that. And I don't just stop by saying, oh, because he's a jerk. No. There's got to be a reason for someone to say that. Then I immediately think he must be really, really suffering inside for him to, you know, uh, lash out at me like that. And then I start to think, I wonder why he's suffering. He probably has, you know, someone in his life that's just putting a lot of pressure and it's and it's causing him to uh, react in such a way. So Veda, how is this not a, uh, another rabbit hole? No, I was going to say the same thing. No, no, no. <laughs> but what it does, it makes me, it, it takes me to understand that there is a greater plan. Is there's a rabbit hole going down and I feel like there's like a an opening in the sky that lets, makes me look upwards. Because rabbit hole is going down, but I'm looking at a process like there is a reason for all of this happening. And so I'm I'm looking at the cause that caused the cause. So maybe it's like part of processing your experience. Yeah. So in, in, in this way, it leads me to God. There's, there's no possible way that this action is not caused by a divine arrangement. This is, all of this is not possible. I didn't do anything to this person for this person to lash out at me. So I, tra- I trace the path to the root cause of why I was the recipient of someone's rage. And then it always takes me to karma, to God, to previous life. And then I'm able, yeah, it's all good. You're good. But it happens. It happens quite fast. Sometimes it's a little slower. The reason it's not a rabbit hole, though, is because you're so seeped in this knowledge or steeped, steeped in this, in this, <laughs> in this knowledge. I, 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 no, I am just so determined to find the root of why someone is behaving such a way. And what was the lesson for me to take away from this? So for me, I'm like constantly meditating on this concept. I often think of like, you know, uh, I wonder how sages dealt with this kind of emotions. When I read in the Bhagavatam, I always see how they are always seeing a divine hand in everything. Like I, I, I first time I thought, you know, like I saw a mother feeding a baby in the train. In India, you know, it's like they just, when the baby is crying and hungry, they just, you know, they just, uh, they don't, they're not, they're not shy to just, you know, take out and, 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 and take out the baby and pacify the baby and, 
and breastfeed the baby. And I thought to myself, when I saw that, I'm like, this is so crazy. There is a baby who's crying out of hunger. And this mother seems to be poor, doesn't have food. But yet in her body, there is food. And who is providing this food in her body? And then I kept thinking, it's not possible for a mother to provide food to a child whenever the mother wants. The mother can only provide food to the child when God wants to feed the child, when the child is hungry. So I see a channel that God is feeding this child through the mother. I don't know if that, that analogy makes any sense. Like at the bottom of every rabbit hole is like a bigger opening. Yes. There is someone who's providing. But I do think you have to have that background that you have to get there. Otherwise, you'll get trapped in the rabbit hole if of material existence. Yeah, it's, it's possible. But I don't know. I just have a way to think that none of this, nothing happens without the, without the will of the divine. And so there's got, yeah. to, there's got to be some some way for me to see how that is. It's got to make sense. It's not just nonsense. You know, even emotions, that's why I have this theory that nothing in this world is wrong. Everything is perfect. And we can't destroy this planet even because we will destroy ourselves before we destroy the planet. <laughs> so I have this theory that I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm working on. I think let's explore this a little bit more. I feel that two things over here, and one of the things which I find very helpful is gratitude. So what you are ultimately coming to is, it's not so much a intellectual conclusion that there is some, some divine reality, but it's also more like a experiential realization that there is something higher and that often comes through gratitude. So you also started early by saying that when you started the session by talking about how it's life is better than what I deserve. So that itself is an expression of gratitude and gratitude can connect, connect us with the divine in a very powerful and practical way. So maybe we could explore that in our next session and that can help us in our emotional processing also. Sure, sure. Sorry for that long rant. I think like I was, I wasn't sure. It was great. We love listening to you rant, Veda. Rant anytime. Yeah, it's interesting that you took us from a rabbit hole through a rant, through an opening to a light. You know, <laughs> we'll continue. <laughs> so, should I summarize, or rather, you want to make some final points? Uh, no. Take us home. Okay, so we started by talking about expectations and detachment, that detachment is not so much letting go of things or people, but it's letting go of our expectations. So we explored that. What does that mean practically? And I drew that dynamic of attachment and aversion being opposites. And then 
when we're talking about that, that there is something beyond that is non-attachment. We don't really get to non-attachment. But within that, we explore this how sometimes attachment seems to be so irrational and self-destructive that even when we something is hurting us, still we don't let go of it. You no, know? treat me badly, trust you madly, something like that. Mike is off. So, so then why does that happen? One of the things is I talked about. So you also mentioned about how when we let go of something, we don't really let go. We hold on to that person. And then I talked there about the determination in the mode of ignorance, how our mind does unhealthy processing of things. So it just hold on to some destructive or self-defeating thought patterns. And that's that's the sense of unhealthy processing or unhealthy responding, reacting process. And then we discussed about, so there is a whole pattern of dreaming, nightmaring, more moroseness and all that. And then we move toward a healthy processing. And a few few pointers toward that was one was I mentioned the point of connecting with the higher reality with God. And you build on the same topic when you talk about you no know, I talk about God more in terms of shelter, some source of strength, some sense of meaning beyond it all. And you talk about the same thing from the from a causal analysis. Now what's going on over here that can also bring us ultimately to this point of point of God as the ultimate cause of everything. So we'll continue this exploration, exploration in a couple of days. Any last points? Oh, that was wonderful. Um, I have some announcements I want to make, unless you have any points first, Veda. No, I loved it. Somewhere in there, purpose was missing, but, uh, but I see it. I, I see it. Yeah, I think healthy processing through purpose. We didn't really elaborate on the purpose. We focus on processing itself. Right. That's something. Yeah. Okay. So for announcements, um, we have an Instagram. If you haven't checked it out, please do. It's Seekers Quest 108. Please check it out and follow us. Um, we post quotes on there every day that, that CC has made um, related to the Bhagavad Gita and real life. And we're going to start something where the the posts that get the most like we're going to talk about on the show. So um, if you want to go check out our Instagram, start liking quotes, and we will at some point. Today we were going to do that, but then we started talking about this and it, it didn't happen, but it will, it will happen eventually. Um, and also, if you want to join our WhatsApp group, um, there's a link on our Instagram bio to join our WhatsApp group, and then you can get announcements and you can join live with us on Tuesdays, Thursdays at 7.30. And lastly, we also on our Instagram, we have a donation link. Um, this is one thing, you know, we are not doing this to make any money. We're not planning on making any money, but things do cost money. And um, also we have people that help support us with, with social media and and other things um, that eventually would be nice to, to be able to appreciate the people that appreciate that contribute and keep us going. So if you want to help and you want to help expand this wisdom, help outreach, um, it'd be great. And, or you could just co share our post on Instagram or tell somebody about 
um, our show and um, support that way too. support just spreading the wisdom because that's what we're here to do. That's that's our main objective. So thanks, everyone. Did I miss anything on those announcements? Perfect. Thank you. Namaste, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you.